Jimmy. <gasps> Did he already come? One, Who? Two, three. And what's with the cookies and the grape juice? It's prune juice, Dad. That's what Teddy likes. Pecan sandies and prune juice. Okay. Who's Teddy? One of your grandpa's friends or just somebody who's very irregular? Teddy is a time change troll, Dad. Christopher from school said if we went up for him and give him pecan sandies and prune juice, he'll greet us one wish. Okay, look, there's no time change troll, right? We set the clocks forward by an hour in the spring for daylight saving time. Christopher is an expert at these things, Dad. If we're awake with cookies and juice... Okay, that's enough. Go to bed. Uh... We have to get up an hour early in the morning to make it to church on time. And hey, no more playing with that Christopher weirdo. Cookie thief. Well, I guess I will take my gifts and my wishes elsewhere. Somewhere where I'm more appreciated! Nah, don't mind if I do. Trying to change that clock in your car. <laughs> well, I guess it's time for me to change my location. I gotta get a new catchphrase. really enjoyed that. Wasn't that just <laughs> captivating? Debbie looked at me and she said, you know, that's really kind of stupid. <laughs> I said, well, that's just a cute way to remind everybody next week we spring forward. So next Saturday, make sure to set your clocks up an hour because you don't want the time change troll showing up at your house. Okay. Uh, just one quick announcement. We're going to be in here for uh, practice after service. So just once you shake hands in the lobby, come back in here. We'll be meeting in here. Okay, if you have your Bibles, uh, get them ready. I want to talk to you for a minute about uh, how many of you have ever been at Sam's and gone through and had lunch? You know, I'm talking about when they're sampling everything. So today we're talking about the title of the message is called The Taste Test. Say it with me, The Taste Test. Watch this. Ladies, ladies, hey, come on up. Here, oh. come on, come here. Come okay. here, ladies. I guess. Have I got something for you today? Uh, hey, oh, my. I got, hey, look here. Jicama. Oh, you ever had jicama before? I've never heard of it. In let's Mexico. let's try a piece, shall we? Okay. This is not bad. I mean, stuff. it kind of looks like a potato. I mean, what it is kinda, that? It's really good. Yeah, but it's not a potato. Do I eat the skin? It's jicama. No. You don't eat the skin. <laughs> try it. Try it. Sure. You don't eat the skin? No. Oh. <laughs> well, here, just here. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Hey. Mm. Oh, and hey, also we have some dragon fruit here. That's not bad. That's really good. It's it like a earthy, chestnut. very earthy. Right not a fan. Mm. I like it. Earthy, it is. You want some? Yeah. Oh, the, yeah. This stuff is nice and soft that too. That's good. Okay. And this, okay, what's this? This is dragon fruit. Okay. I can cut it. <laughs> Thank you. Welcome. To corporate. That looks pretty good. It's I mean, so you got pretty. some. Looks like cookies and cream in there, yeah. <laughs> right okay. inside of that. Yeah. Check it out. Isn't I'll that beautiful? I'll try that. It smells good. Ooh, it's kind of slippery. Here, you want to try some? Yeah. Mm. Just bite it's it. Pretty. Mm. Not the pink. You sure, you don't want to bite? Oh, yeah, sure. Why not? Get you some. Mm. Get you some. There you go. See, That's okay. Mm. Not a lot of flavor. That'll make your babies born naked. Mm. <laughs> a little Maybe plain. a little seedy. Ooh. Yeah, that's plain. All right. What is that? We might need a bigger knife for that one. This is a yellow honeydew. <laughs> and yeah, I could use a bigger <laughs> knife for that. Maybe if I use two. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> 
Here we go. Here, I'm gonna try this. Was this just more fruit? Turn the lights up. You feeling fruity this morning, Paul? I'm feeling fruity. Oh, oh that's beautiful. beautiful. Do you guys want to try some other stuff too? I mean, we can. We got. Uh, we can. I mean, I guess. I'm here. Let me help oh, you a little oh, bit. Man, I don't want that piece. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Be my guest. You want a fork to go with that? Right. Right. Okay. What else we got here? Oh, that's really good. Vienna sausage. Or or Vienna sausage, depending on where you're (laughs) from. Yeah, would say. That's really, really good. That's that's very good. I like that. Look at all the seafood. Yeah, I really like that. Um, All right, Jazz, you're up. (laughs) What is is on it, though? It's not. Um, Sauce. Barbecue. Vienna sauce. (laughs) All right. This is very processed. Want to try some? Absolutely. Give me one. All right, here. Let's go for that. It's actually good. uh, Yeah, that's good. It's like mini. I like it. Right. Barbecue has something kind of sweet. That's really, really good. Mm-hmm. Give me some water. And um, <laughs> we got brown yeah, swagger. You guys ever had brown, brown swagger? Brown swagger. I want that. I'm gonna cut it open. Like, you don't know what that is? She don't know that. That's good stuff. I like. Looks brown like swagger. a meat. Do you like it? Okay. Brown what kind of meat am I eating here? What is this? We're not gonna tell her. Because if we tell her, she won't eat it. All the kids don't. It's not. Well, that chi- never turns out well. <laughs> it tastes like chicken, but it's not. Okay. Good. There could possibly be a a little liver undertone. All right, look. (laughs) Liver? Possibly a little liver undertone. Oh, that. Try that. You like it? I love it. Good stuff? I like it. All right. I like it with mustard. It's really good. Okay. We got some. Uh, oh my gosh! How about some? Uh, <laughs> hey, hold on a minute here. Don't. <laughs> hey, don't lose your mic. Okay, let's try some something else here. Okay. I've got. Uh, <laughs> I've got some uh, imitation crab meat. Mm. So it's fake. <laughs> Great. Well, I mean, do you know how expensive crab really is? <laughs> fake, crab it? fake crab meat. Is this raw? Yeah. Give it a shot. Give it a shot. Oh. How about some sardines? It doesn't next even, it just, it doesn't even break. It just bit. If this bends and it doesn't even break when I bend it, Ooh. that's a problem. Well, yeah. Hey, if you like that, you're going to love this. Sardines. Oh my, I, I'm not. Crammed in there. Ew, all nice like and cozy. Yellow. Look at that. I am not trying to. Like, it's like they no, peed on themselves or something. Yeah, I don't know. Crab's not bad. No, crab, crab. no water. Sorry. I mean, hey, oh. go for it. Here's a fork. Okay. Have fun. The smell. Oh. No, I really don't. Hey. Yeah, I'm positive. That's a little bee bite. And last but not least, let's do some pick, pickled pig's feet. Pig's feet right here, oh ladies gosh. and gentlemen. Start your engines. We're going to have some pig's feet. Pig's Oh, no, I am not. I am Pig's feet. Mm. Yeah. Feet are clearly not meant to be eaten. <laughs> Why not? Well, if they that would, looks like hey, pure fat. That's they wouldn't the pickle stuff. them if they didn't want you to eat them. Oh. You, you, know? Know, you don't pickle anything Try you don't want to eat. You want to cut that up or give her some of that? Oh, my God. Oh, the smell. You can do it. Come on. Oh, my, oh my God. Mm. Oh. Come on, Jazz. Oh, that you literally looks it. like what you would like pick off that you don't eat on like a piece of steak. Actually, the smell you want of that it. Jar? Oh. Mm. Get your drink. But why don't you try it? No, you are not. <gasps> Ew. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> you did not. Oh, that was awesome. I think I'll try some more. Oh no, no you are not. Oh yeah. You're kidding me. Yeah, let's try a new fork. Oh. I gave you new Oh fork. my gosh. It's just... oh. <laughs> like fear factor. All right. Well, we made a mess of that. Uh, hey, Paul, Paul, take the sardines with you. <laughs> Thank you. I was just trying not to smell up the sanctuary. So the taste test. When you go to Sam's and you go to get samples, everybody's excited. They go around and they're sampling things. But how many of you have ever met someone that just refused to taste it? 
You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever refused to taste something? I mean, you're not even going to try it. Like I've got pig's feet up here. How many takers do I have? You know, those that are raising their hand on pig's feet have probably already had them and like them for some strange reason. <laughs> when, I, when I traveled, I went into other countries. There was something that I found out that if I refused to taste something, it could be very offensive to the people that were there. And so I was known for eating anything. Uh, people that traveled with me made a statement, said, man, that guy will eat anything. It wasn't that I liked everything that I ate, but it was that I knew I needed to taste it. Everybody say, taste it. Because here's the truth. You don't know if you don't like it, if you've never tasted it. And to refuse to even taste it says something about our character. Now stay with me for a second. You say, but I've got a weak stomach and I've got that. You're going to know where I'm going here in just a second. So when I was in Trinidad and I started tasting some things, there were some things that I, I found, I discovered that I really liked. One was called doubles. And I experienced doubles out of the trunk of somebody's car in a village in a crock pot. And I was a little concerned about it when I first got it. But, you know, the pastor, I was with, oh, you need to try, you need to try, you're going to love it, you're going to love it. And so I, I discovered that I, I actually did like doubles. But then there were some other things that I came across while it was in Trinidad that uh, didn't really appeal to me that much. And it was called cascaloo. Everybody say cascaloo. Cascaloo was a little fish about this long that they caught in a ditch. It looked like a catfish, but it had scales on it. And when they cooked it, they cooked it whole, head and all. So we had been invited to someone's house, and his wife made sure to have cascaloo ready. And we were sitting at the table, and I had managed to get through that whole meal without tasting cascaloo. And I told the man, I said, make sure you tell your wife we really appreciate all the trouble she went to to prepare this. We really appreciate that. And I was making sure to let them know how gracious and thankful we were. And at that time, he said, oh, did you, try, did you get to try the cascaloo? Did you get to try the cascaloo? And I said, well, you know, I, did I not get some of that? And, you know, and, and, and uh, my friend that was traveling with me, Nick Simmons, looked over and he said, and he's, he had this great big smile on his face as he served up some cascaloo. And Nick was over there just, and I said, Nick, I don't believe you got any cascaloo either, did you? And uh, that smile just disappeared real quick. And so they, they served that to me and I ate it. I didn't particularly care for it, but I ate it. I told them afterward, well, I didn't tell them, but I told my friend, I said, you know, I could have enjoyed that a lot more if I knew they had gutted that fish. And they had. It was just that he was still looking at me and the, the, the scales were still on him. And, you know, when you're not used to something, everybody say not used to it. So when you're not used to something, you can prejudge it because you're not used to it. Taste and see. When I was in Russia, look, these folks prepared a huge meal. And, and I had people with me and some of them said, well, I don't want to eat. I don't want to eat. I said, no, no, you don't understand. I said, they have sacrificed to put this food on the table. When I traveled there, the average person made $27 a month. Fruit would be equivalent. If you made $200 a week here, it would be like you paying $100 for 10 tangerines. That's how expensive fruit was. And so when they prepared that, and then what they did is they stood behind us. They wouldn't even sit at the table with us. They stood behind us, 
and they sang praise songs while we ate. And that did something to me. And I was, I was trying to, you know, show my appreciation and I'm eating things I've never seen before and, and, and tasting things I've never tasted before that were strange to me. But I got a hold of a, there was this red, there, there was this bowl that had red liquid in it and a plop of something white in the middle of it. And I, when I went to eat it, I discovered I really liked it. It was called borscht. And it was, it was their native soup, and it, it was wonderful. And I thought, man, this is... But then later, I found myself at the home of an interpreter that had invited us over, and she had prepared, and she had gone to so much trouble. And this guy that has normally been able to eat anything and, and be able... I, friends, I'm telling you, I struggled. And I felt so bad because she was watching and I thought, and I was literally praying, God help me. And I, I saw some beets and I thought, well, I can eat these beets. And when I got the beets and I started putting them in my mouth, there was shredded fish all through it. And, and so it, it shocked my system. And I, I'm, I'm trying not to do what Jasmine did, you know, and, you know, and, and I just, you know, and, and there's a piece of chicken. And I thought, oh, thank God, man, for Colonel Sanders. But the colonel wasn't in. It, it, it wasn't Colonel Sanders. She'd prepared a piece of chicken, and I could have eaten that. But then she came in, and she spread something all over the chicken. And I don't want to be gross, but mothers with newborns. And, and when I, when I, and I thought, well, maybe this is good, you know, maybe. And, and I got a hold of it, and when I put that in my mouth, I... And I, <laughs> wonderful. And I spread this stuff all over my plate, playing. And I always told my kids, don't play with your food. I was playing with the food because I didn't want her to be hurt or offended, but I was struggling to taste it. Everybody say the taste test. There are other people that tasted things that they never tasted before in order to survive. Everyone say survive. Let me go back to Russia. Because I, I, I squeezed through that. And then I was with a group of ministers. And this, this was opening up a whole other area. And the truth was, is they didn't want us there. When I showed up, one of them made the statement and, and was introducing us. And this, this is how they introduced us. They said, well, Columbus discovered America, so it's their fault, he, or so it's his fault they're here. And they all kind of laughed a little bit. And I, I started praying. I said, God, you've got to help me. And I remember in the first service, something happened. The presence of God started coming down in that building. And when I felt that presence, I was familiar with that presence, and I went after it. And all of a sudden, when I looked up, I saw Russians all around crying and weeping, and some of them on their knees. And when that service was over, that man came back up and he said, I'm so glad that Columbus discovered America. So it had built, we, we were able to build on something we had experienced together, something that they had not tasted before. I went to what was called the banya with them. That's not the bathroom. If you're in Mexico, it's close to that. But that the, the banya was a, a steam room. And so we went in and it was bonding. You know, they said, well, we go bond together. You know, we go bonding. Man, they would stay there all night long. And I said, look, I got some old people with me. They weren't around when I said that. And I said, I said, we can't hang out all night long here. I said, but well, you know, so we go in and we're doing, you know, we're doing the, the you know, they're pouring pure eucalyptus on these rocks these hot rocks, and man, it would take your breath away. I love eucalyptus in a steam room, but this stuff was pure, and literally, it would just take your breath away. So we're doing this, and all of a sudden, they said, okay, now, now we, have, we, we, we have meal together, snack together. And so I, I come in, and they, they, they start bringing this in, 
And man, I've eaten a lot of things in my time, but I never eat, I had, I, well, I started to say I'd never eaten anything that could taste me back, but I actually had. See, I'd had cow tongue before, but they served a pig's tongue. And I tried, but the more I chewed it, the bigger it got. And it was like, man, I, you know, and I, so I got involved in conversation, you know, and just kept cutting, you know, if you, if you just keep it, making it look like you're busy, sometimes you can get by with it, you know, but it was, and that was a struggle. But there was a time in this nation that was known as the Great Depression. My parents lived through that. And so from that, there came a menu of items that people began to eat that they weren't used to. Prior to that, people had eaten them in the times of pilgrims and things like that. How many of you have been here ever had squirrel? And I'm in Southern Illinois, so there should be a great number of us. How many of you have never had squirrel? Raise your hand if you've never had squirrel. See, I, I was raised up around Chicago, but because my parents were from Southern Illinois, I experienced that. When I talked about eating squirrel among friends up there, they looked at me like I had lost my mind. You're eating a squirrel? That's like a rat, man. I had that in Guatemala. Seriously. So they, and so they ate squirrel, they ate rabbit, they, they ate what they could catch, what they could, what, what they could make do with. And, and my mom acquired a taste for some of this stuff, so I got exposed to it as a child. I discovered that there wasn't anything on a pig that they wouldn't eat. So they, she, when I was a child, she would bring in pig's feet. How many of you have ever had these bad boys before? Hold your hand up if you like these. Hold, them up if you, hold, hold it up if you've never had them. Okay, those of you that have ever had this, we're going to do a taste test with you. Would you come on up? <laughs> Let's see, we, we push things back because we've never had it or it sounds terrible to us or we're not used to it, but what sounds horrible to us may be commonplace to someone else. And so when mom started, you know, as a kid, she would bring these pickled pig's feet in and, and I, I found myself, you know, a kid's curious. So I found myself gnawing on those pig's feet and man, I thought, Ooh, this isn't bad, you know? And, and then I, they opened them up prior to service. They got opened up and I went out and I smelled that and I thought, Oh my goodness. And then Jasmine, I, Jasmine was not playing. <laughs> with some of that stuff. She's never heard of Brown Swiger. So that was the first time Brown Swiger had ever gone into her mouth. And I told her, I said, you don't have to act with this. Just give it a natural reaction. If you like it, just go on about it. If you don't, spit it out. There's a lot of spitting going on up on this stage. <laughs> so mom exposed me to these things, but it was because she learned to eat them to survive. She had pig's feet. I had head cheese. And, and, and you know, and, and we, had, we had pig brains that she would take and scramble with eggs. Now, here's the deal is even after the depression was over, she was still eating this stuff. You used to be able to buy this in a grocery store. How many of you remember you could get that stuff in a grocery store? So she would bring that home and, and, and I was being exposed to this, but there was one thing that mom never served me that she ate and it was possum. And mom told me, she said, I hated possum. She said they used to make that. They would bake it with sweet potatoes. And she said it was the greasiest thing I ever ate in my life. She was trying to survive. That family was eating things that they could catch, that they could hunt to survive. Everybody say survival. You don't know what you would do to survive. Here's the deal is, how many of you know that there are other things that we taste other than food and sometimes we don't want to taste it it's just thrust on us how many of you have ever tasted fear 
Did you know fear has a flavor? I've tasted it. I've shared with you before. I've tasted it. It released in the back of my mouth when a, I had a pit bull come after me on a bike, and I, I, I swung my leg off of that bike, and I had that bike between me and that pit bull, and I was keeping it off of me, and then all of a sudden another pit bull came running. And in that moment, man, it just released, fear released, because I knew I couldn't keep them both off of me. And then somebody hollered right before he got to me, spared me. You ever have somebody jump out at you? You know, just jump out? Yesterday, uh, I'd gone to the hospital to see Dave Tuttle. He'd had surgery. Uh, he'd had heart surgery, and they had to crack open his chest, but he's doing great now. But while I was there, all of a sudden, his wife, Joyce, just screamed and and ah. Oh! And she'd had eye surgery, what, three weeks or so before that. And, and she all of a sudden just cried in pain. And she said, it feels like I got a cinder in my eye. And so I had to take her to Cape Girardeau where her, you know, there was nobody there. I mean, it was, so I, I take her there. A stitch had popped open and, or, you know, broke in her eye, burst. And so he went to get it out. But while we were sitting in the seat, Joyce heard it was just... Something like that. I think she hit the seatbelt. And she jumped in that car. She oh, spun around. And, and she, oh, oh. And she said, did you hear that? And I thought, well, yeah, I heard that. But that's not what scared me. <laughs> what scared me was when you hollered. And, ah, you know. You ever have somebody jump out at you? Scare the dickens out of you, man. And all of a sudden that fear, and there's, there's a flavor to it. How many of you have ever tasted bitterness? You know what I'm talking about? Somebody did something to you, and you've tasted it for years and haven't been able to get that flavor out of your mouth. And the truth is you don't want it there, but sometimes you don't know how to get rid of it. And so you carry that in your mouth. My dad gave me a little pill one time, half of a pill. The thing was tiny. I was complaining about my stomach hurting, and he gave that to me. And I was on the school bus when that pill came back to talk to me. And it was so bitter. And I wanted to get it out of my mouth. But what do you do on the school bus, you know? And, and I'm thinking, good. Uh. And there are things that we go through in our life that hit us like that and hang on to us until we're able to get something in our spirit to replace it. Everybody say, I need to replace bitterness. <laughs> you can have bitterness in you, but bitterness does something to you. Any of you have ever tasted disappointment before? Somebody promised you something and never came through and you were disappointed? Have you ever tasted defeat? I've watched grown men almost getting a knockdown drag out over a ball game. Think about it. At the end, you're not making $300,000 a game. You, they're not paying you like they're paying those players out there. But how many of you guys have ever acted an idiot? Well, maybe let me... How many of you have ever gotten beside yourself on a ball field before? Hold your hand up. Hold it up. Let me see it. Mine's up there. You see that? Matter of fact, I quit playing ball for a while because of it. Because when I was young, I was so competitive. And I realized something. I thought, this isn't, I don't need to be doing this. Because I'm exposing my, myself to something that's going to harm me or harm someone else. Is anybody in the house today? So what do we do with that? Well, I mean, you know, think, how many of you have a friend that they don't know who Jesus is? Hold your hand up if you've got a friend that they, they don't know. They just, they, they've never said yes to him. Hold it up high. So the question is, are they willing to Try him. Everybody, you remember that phrase, try it, you'll like it. Are you willing to try it? 
I got a feeling that if Jasmine hadn't been put on the spot up here, and if she'd just been walking through Sam's and they were sampling pig's feet, she probably wouldn't have run to go get one. She'd have probably went by and went, Ooh, just, you know. can you believe people eat those things? You know, but she's, she's wrestling with it and Natalie's enjoying it. Paul's drinking it. What's up with that? I mean, he just turned it up. You see, everybody doesn't have the same taste buds. But hear me, God wired something in you that when he touches you, when he comes to you, everyone wants him. Oh, no, no, I don't want anything to do with God. I've seen people get bitter at God. I've seen people walk away from God. But the truth is, that when they experienced him without all the obstacles, they found something they wanted or they would have never said yes to begin with. How many of you love your parents? Hold your hand up. Parents, turn around and look. <laughs> How many of you have ever had your parents do something you didn't like? Hold, hold your hand up. How many of you thought your parents just, well, I better not get into all that. But. What I'm saying is this, is people that we love and people that love us, we don't always get along, do we? And so sometimes God is asking us to do something or our journey takes a turn that we're not expecting. And instead of looking to God to navigate our way, we begin to blame him for getting in the way. How many of you know that you've got to let him be in the driver's seat? You've got to let him drive the vehicle. I heard somebody say the other day, said, well, once you let God in the driver's seat, do you become a backseat driver? In other words, you, okay, God, you take the wheel and then you sit in the back and tell him how he ought to be driving. Hey, you need to turn up here. Oh, you're missing that turn. You don't know where you're going. You, God knows exactly where he wants you, but you've got to trust him to get you there. So the scripture says in Psalms 34 and 8, I believe it is, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Say it with me again. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Here's the thing you need to understand about God. He's not trying to cram anything down your throat. He's not trying to force feed you anything. That's why the psalmist said, taste and see, just try it. Why is he so confident? Because he knows in the moment you try him, you're going to fall in love with him. In the moment you taste him, you're going to say, where's he been all my life? You don't have to taste fear anymore. You don't have to taste bitterness anymore. Because when you let Jesus be the main course on your plate, he's going to feed you from a banquet feast you've never even experienced. But you've got to taste him. Everybody say, taste him. Taste and see the Lord is good. Matter of fact, in John chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, listen to this. Jesus is at a wedding feast. Ready? He's getting ready. You remember what happens there? He turns water into wine. Listen to what the master of the ceremony said when he tastes that wine. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, Though, of course, the servants knew. He called the bridegroom over and said, A host always serves the best wine first. Then when everyone's had a lot to drink, you know, and they really can't tell any different. Then you bring out the less expensive wine. Listen to him. But you have kept the best until now. Do you understand what God has for your life? It's the best. 
what you've experienced and what you've tasted through life, the anguish and the anxiety and the frustration and the hopelessness and the despair, that was never what God put on your plate. That's what the devil serves up. The scripture said that he came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But God came that you could have life and have it more abundantly. You've got to get the right plate in front of you. You've got to feast from his table. Everybody say, I want what he's got. See, here's what I believe. I believe that the best is still yet to come. I believe that God's best is still yet to come for you, that you haven't lived out your best days yet. You haven't experienced the best he has for you yet. Do you really believe that we're experiencing all there is to God? I'm telling you that I believe that God is getting ready to open up the windows of heaven for those that are hungry, for those that are thirsty, and you're going to begin to experience a banquet like you've never known. But you've got to be hungry for it. You've got to be thirsty for it. The scripture said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after, for they shall be filled. The psalmist, man, I want you to, I'm going to read a few scriptures from Psalms. and I want you to get a hold of what the writer is saying to us there. Because once you taste him, you're going to get hungry for more of him. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, I want some more. <laughs> How many of you have ever sat at a, a, a table before a, a uh, dinner table and tasted something you really liked? I mean, you really liked. And, and what do you usually do? You reach for more. Slide that on over here. You start watching how much everybody else is taking out. Here's the deal. When it comes to God, there's an abundant supply. He doesn't run out. He, 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 it, you understand? The wine kept coming. The, the oil kept coming. God has an infinite supply and wants everybody to have it. So you don't have to hoard it anymore. Turn around, look at your name and say, hey, you need to try some of this. <laughs> yeah, I, we were, she ate brown swagger. We were at a restaurant called First Cafeteria. I don't know. How many of you have ever been there? No, was, was it first? And so I, they, they were serving liver and onions. It was the best liver I'd ever had, man. It was, it was thin sliced. How many of you like liver? Hold your hand up if you love liver, you know, liver and onions. Hold, hold your hand up if you don't like liver. Hold your hand up if you've never tried liver. Those of you that held... Okay, never mind. Anyway, it was liver and onions, and it was wonderful. And I was so taken back with it. Demi was in the middle of a conversation. And I tasted that. I thought, oh, my goodness, this is wonderful. And I cut off a piece, and she's talking. And I said, honey, try this. And she never looked up to see what it was. She just opened her mouth, and I popped it in. And when I popped it in her mouth, she started to chew, and she, oh, oh, and she starts spitting it out. She looks at me and says, I can't believe you just put liver in my mouth. I didn't understand what the problem was. I, I, what are you acting like that for? This is wonderful. You put liver in my mouth. I thought it was wonderful. <laughs> Taste and see. Do you understand that when it comes to God, we were made for him. There's something in us that inherently craves him, Amen. that desires him. Do you ever go in a kitchen looking for something to eat and it, you just couldn't figure out what you were hungry for? And so you end up with a bellyache because you start eating everything. You, you know, you try a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and you think, that's not it. That's, a, that's the same thing that happens to us in the spirit. God has wired us to hunger for him, to long for him. Listen to what the psalmist says. How sweet are your words. This is 119 and 103. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Amen. I don't know if you get excited about this or not, 
But after all these years, I still do. Everybody say his word. That psalmist said his word, is, it was like honey to his mouth. It was sweet to his taste. I'm telling you, when this becomes more than a book to you, and it becomes life to you, and you begin to open it up and devour it, you're going to find out that the more you eat, the more you want. Amen. Job said, I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. What's he saying? He's saying, I need this more than I need to eat. Because I could go hungry. I could do without some meals. Don't anybody say a thing. I could do without some meals, but I can't do without him. Give us this day our daily bread. Do you know what happens? Maybe you've never had this happen to you before, but sometimes schedules get busy and you're not picking this up every day like you used to. You don't get this in you, but you get everything else in you. You don't get the word in you that day, but you get frustration in you from the job. You don't get the word in you, but you get a little bitterness from a friend. You don't get the word, but you get a little bit of fear from the doctor. You don't get the word, but you get a little discouragement from those or from your job situation. And so at the end of the day, you're filled with what the world has to offer. And you're empty when it comes to him. That's why you feel depressed. That's why that cloud hovers over your house. That's why all of a sudden you begin to find yourself doing things you thought you'd never do. Amen. Thinking things you thought you'd never think. Oh, I can't stand those. Amen. Instead of praying for my enemy under my breath, I'm cursing my enemy. Instead of speaking life, I'm speaking death. And it's all about what we've put on our plate. Everybody say, I need God. <laughs> Psalm 63 and 1, oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. 84 and 2, my soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Psalms 42 and 1, as the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for the living God. I wonder if you'd say this with me. God, I'm hungry for you. Let's get transparent for just a second. about when you're not at church? I mean, honestly, folks, we only come here like once a week. And that's not near enough of God. So does that mean that when we're not here, we can't have him? When we're not here, there's no encounter? That's not the way it was supposed to be. You see, coming to church... Let me just share this with you. Ministry comes from an overflow. You can't minister if you're dragging the dregs of the bottom. Amen. Ministry has to come from the overflow. Amen. Well, then how do you get the overflow? I spend time with him. I get in his word. I let his word speak to me. And when all of a sudden that word speaks, and then God will speak to you besides just his word. He'll speak to you in a song. You'll hear something in a conversation. I've seen Debbie sometimes go, wait, wait, wait a minute. I want to write that down. Hold it. Hold it. What, I want to write that down. What'd you say? What'd you, I want to write that down. She'll hear something on the radio. I want to write that down. Then what she do? First thing she wants to do is share it with me. I heard something today. I, I want you to and I, I hear that and it ministers to me. Uh, and I want to build on it. I, 
hear things and spark a message. And I just will get in my notes and speak it in my notes so I can come back to it later. I may be in the middle of a mall, but if something comes, I've learned, get it down. Because if you don't commit it to, you can't commit it to memory until you've read it a few times. So you've got to get it down and then let it get in you. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, I'm hungry. Listen to what Luke said in Luke 14 and 34. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? That's where Saul was at. Saul was religious. Man, you read, he, he was more religious than any of his peers. But he didn't have any relationship and Religion wasn't just killing him, it was killing people around him. It was starting to destroy people that believed in Christ. And Paul testified one time and he said, I, I, thought, that I, I thought that I was supposed to do these things. I thought I was supposed to stop them. And he looked at people that had a smile on their face and appeared like an angel while they were dying. And he'd been consenting to Stephen's death. Don't think he forgot that face. Don't think it went out of his memory. He, he couldn't get rid of it. And what happens sometimes is when you're angry or when you're bitter and you don't want to turn from it, you get entrenched in it and you dig down deeper. How many of you have ever dug yourself a hole? You know what I'm talking about? You ever, have you ever buried a car? It didn't start out that way. When it started out, those wheels spun a little bit. And, 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 and what you should have done was go, oh, I got no traction. I need to, I need to find some traction. But we're so educated that we don't do that. We just slap that baby down and floor it. I've, I have seen people bury their car to the axle. And then they come to you and say, uh, could you help me? You should I go look at that? And I say, no, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I, I, what I'm thinking is, well, I could have helped you, and it'd been a lot easier for me to help you if you'd have asked for help before you buried it. Amen. Now, I want you to hear me. Why is it in our walk with God? And when the devil comes in and causes us to lose ground, lose traction, instead of going to God right then and right there, we floor it. We get entrenched in the problem. Instead of taking the problem to God, we try and handle it ourselves. We try and do it on our own, and we lose more and more ground. I'm telling you, God has got a four-wheel drive like you've never seen before. <laughs> he can get you out of a mess like you've never known. When I first met Debbie, I had a 1979 brand new baby blue Jeep, and it was pretty, folks. It had a trim line kit on it, and her brother came up and said, hey, let's go four-wheeling. I said, okay. He took me out to the sand pits. He buried my Jeep to the axle, buried my Jeep. He said, oh, we'll get it out. We'll get it out. Don't worry. We'll get it out. It's always easier to bury some, what belongs to somebody else, you know. We'll get it out. So he goes and he gets a friend that gets a John Deere tractor, comes out to the sand pit. God is my witness. He buried the tractor. So now I'm thinking, what? See, we just keep digging in and digging deeper and digging deeper. So then he went to an adult. Everybody say there needs to be an adult in the room. <laughs> how, many of you ever, how many of you have ever been in a room by yourself and there was no adult in the room? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? You just, you just I mean, you're, you're wide open. It's like... <laughs> 
he goes and he gets a seasoned farmer that's got a four-wheel drive monster tractor. You know what I'm talking about? It's got dualies on it. It's got great big wheels. They go down there. Man, we have been there for hours. He goes down, he hooks up, and he's working on this tractor. He gets this boy's tractor out. He knew his daddy. You better get that tractor home for your daddy. Then he looks at me and he said, boy, is that your Jeep? And I said, yes, sir. He said, well, if you want it out of there, you better get down there. And I wanted to say, I'm not the one that buried it. But he didn't care at this point who buried it. And can I tell you this? Neither does God. God's not interested in our list of, well, I'm this way because of that person or that person or that person. God just wants to fix it. He just wants to get you out of the mess you're in. He looked at me and he said, well, you better get down there. And I jumped down in that thing. He hooked that tractor up to my Jeep. Brother, I thought I was on my way to glory. When he popped that thing up, that Jeep come flying up out of that hole. And I, I, I was up in the air and came back down. And I, Do you understand? It wasn't a strain for him. It wasn't hard for him. It wasn't difficult for him. God can do exceeding abundantly above all you ask or think. If you'll just taste and see. But if you keep trying to force it and you won't taste it. Raise your hand again if you have never had pig's feet. See, here's the deal. God's not going to force feed you. God doesn't say, who, who among you hasn't had my spirit? Come up here right now. God doesn't do that. God says, taste. See, we, we play havoc with each other. I can't believe you ate that. I can't believe you'd eat that. True story. It's in Trinidad. And the minister I was working with was very poor. When we first started working, we were very poor. So he went in the woods and he killed a monkey to feed the monkey to his children. And when we got there, and, and well, I'm not going to tell you that part of the story, but anyway, when they got there, people, some of the people said, You, you killed a monkey? You ate a monkey? And he said, my, I'm going to go ahead and tell you. When he went to kill the monkey, the monkey had a baby. And the monkey put the baby behind it. And when he put the baby behind and he saw that he was coming for him, they pulled the baby out and she held it like this to show she had a baby. They said, well, what'd you do? He said, I killed it. And that was, the, that was the response from several of the people. And he looked at him and he said, you don't understand. It was either her baby or mine. Because they were starving. And he ate, he killed that monkey, they fixed it and they ate that monkey. Several years later, you know, that had happened and, that, and several years had passed and we started working with them and things got better. And when, you know, but they still had that monkey story. You know, you ate monkey. I can't believe you ate monkey. So he came to the United States. He was in a grocery store walking down the aisle and he saw this. He picked it up and he came running through the grocery store going, you eat dog, you eat dog. True story. It said hot dog. And he thought it was a dog. And he's yelling, You eat dog, you eat dog. And he's thinking, You talk about me eating monkey and you eat dog. Well, isn't that what we do? You eat what? You know, I was up north around Wisconsin and I had uh, several folks from Wisconsin going to Mexico with me. So I stopped in. I said, we're going to get some biscuits and gravy. They said, what? I'd never heard of biscuits and gravy. And I thought, man, where do you come from? <laughs> we're going to get some fried okra. What? 
had never heard of, this is a true story, had never heard of fried okra. They're from Wisconsin. So I go down to Mississippi. I'm working down there and this waitress comes in and she serves me grits. And when she served me grits, I reached for the sugar. And I started putting sugar on my grits. I thought she's going to throw me out of the restaurant. She came over to me. What are you doing to those grits? She was serious. I said, I'm putting sugar. You don't put sugar on grits. What's wrong with you? You put butter and salt and pepper on them. I wanted to tell her I ordered them. I'll eat them how I want. But she was, she was adamant about it. She had never seen somebody put sugar on grits. Here's what I'm saying. Instead of focusing on everything that divides us, why don't we focus on the one thing that unites us? His name is Jesus. <laughs> Would you stand with me? His name is Jesus. Doesn't matter if you're a Muslim or a Hindu or a Catholic or a Baptist or a Pentecostal or a church of Krishna. What do you mean it doesn't matter? Because none of you get into heaven without Jesus. Amen. Doesn't matter. Don't you understand? Doesn't, there's not a different set of rules. Well, we don't believe. Doesn't matter what you believe. I had somebody come up to me, literally, man, I was in college and they, they were talking to me and they, they were really upset and they said, well, that's just your belief. I said, no, 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 hold on. I didn't read you what I believe. I read you scripture. So I'm not going to insert my opinion. Don't insert yours. How many of you know the word of God will just stand? It's just able to stand. So what I'm saying is, Taste it. Everybody do this. I know this isn't proper, but your back is to the camera, so nobody's going to see you. So just go like this, like you got an ice cream cone in your hand, and go. Everybody say, that's a taste. You ever tasted some ice cream you didn't like? <laughs> Danny's shaking his head. Never met a gallon I wasn't in love with. I love black walnut ice cream. I let my wife taste it. She can't stand black walnut. She said it tastes like a dusty closet. It's her taste. It's her, I like it. But I'm not talking about ice cream and I'm not talking about dragon fruit or pig's feet or ribeyes. I'm talking about Jesus. Taste and see. Isn't it odd that he didn't say serve me or else? You never read where he came and he made the statement, you better get right or I'm going to cast you right. You better straighten up. He said, whosoever will, let him come. What was he saying? He was so confident that once we tasted, we'd fall in love. He just said, come. Just, just come. Just come. And here's, here's a kicker for you. Come just as you are. Just as you are. You didn't have to get straightened up before you came to him. Didn't have to get cleaned up before you came to him. When I came to him, I, didn't fig I couldn't figure out why he wanted me. When my brother came to him, I, that was more perplexing to me. I thought, I, I, I was wondering why he'd want me. I know he doesn't want him. But there he was, arms wide open. And he welcomed us in. 
And once I tasted him, I got hungry for more. How about you? Are you hungry for more? If you are, this is what I'd like to do at the close of this service today, because nobody can force feed you. Nobody can make you try something. It's up to you. So what I'm going to ask you to do at the close of this service today is just to come to the front and stand with me. And I want you to, we're going to raise our hands together and just say, Lord, I want more of you. Now you have to do it for you and I'll do it for me. But if that's what you want, if you want more of him, I want you to come right now, would you? Once Saul tasted, everything changed. Even his name, he became Paul. Everything changed in his life, the way he saw the world, everything changed with a taste. And he went after him. He was hungry for more of him. I always tell people this when folks say, well, I'm hungry. You know, they say, well, I always tell folks, we've got as much God as we want. Because if we wanted more, we could have more. But the truth is, is sometimes we need to be reminded there is more. Sometimes we get just so used to God in a certain way. And, you know, Debbie wears black a lot. And then all of a sudden she'll, you know, surprise everybody and come out here in bright blue. And, 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 and honestly, you look and you think, man, that girl looks good in blue. Well, I say that. All right, let's not get into a fashion show. <laughs> Did you hear what they said? They said, she looked good in yellow yesterday. But we're just so used to seeing each other a certain way. I was preaching a camp one time and I came into the camp and I had some shaving cream with me and a razor and I got up behind the pulpit and started to shave. Everybody looked at me and they, and folks started laughing and carrying on. I said, I don't know what the big deal is. I do this every day. It's just, I didn't, I don't do it in front of you every day. You want to see God work in your life? Then take it outside of these walls and do it out there. Because people are used to you worshiping God in here. People are used to seeing you love God in here. But when you do it out there, that blows their world. That blows their mind. It's amazing, man. I can be, a lot of times I'll be in the gym and I'll be with some guys, you know, and we'll be in a conversation and man, they're just very expressive. You know, words I don't use in my vocabulary, you know, and they're just, and, and as they're doing that, I don't, I don't say you ought to be ashamed of yourself. You, I, I don't do that. I just look at them and say, man, I said, you know, I, I said, God's just good. We've been having, you know, and I start talking to them about God and all of a sudden they look and they, well, what do you, what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm a pastor. Oh, you, oh, you're a pastor. Well, where do you pastor? It's, it's amazing how quickly the conversation changes. Don't be a thermometer. A thermometer just measures the temperature in the room. Be a thermostat. You have the ability to change the temperature in the room. Taste and see God in you. The hope of glory. Do you understand? God wants to do it in you. So just together today, let's raise our hands. And each of us individually, just begin to talk to God for you in the way that you're comfortable with. Some of you may begin to cry. Others may get happy, but just talk to God as an individual and let him know you're hungry for more of him. Let's do it together right now as they sing this song. Thank you, Lord. We worship you, God.
We hope you've been touched by today's message. I wanted to take a moment and just remind you how very much God loves you. The Apostle Peter tells us that it's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In the book of Jeremiah, the 29th chapter, God speaks through the prophet and tells us that I know what my plans are for you, that they're plans for good and not for destruction, to give you a future and a hope. That's what God wants for your life. He has a plan and a purpose designed specifically for you. And you can walk into that plan and purpose by just asking him in your heart today. I wonder if you'd take a moment right now and just stop wherever you're at and pray this prayer with me. God, I ask you to forgive me of all of my sin. Lord, I believe that Jesus was crucified on my behalf that you raised him from the dead so that I could have life. And right now, I accept you as my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it from your heart, we believe that angels are rejoicing in heaven because you've come home. Now the important thing is for you to find a good Bible-believing church and become a part of that as you continue your journey with Jesus. We want to invite you to come and be with us any chance you get. Until then, remember, Jesus loves you, and we do too.